You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Recently, President Bush vetoed legislation that would have eased restraints on stem cell research. At the same time, he encouraged scientists to find other methods to extract stem cells without having to destroy embryos in the process. While most scientists disagreed with this veto, today's guest is in complete agreement. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, Professor of Surgery at Chicago Medical School, and with me today is Dr. James L. Shirley, Associate Professor of Biological Engineering at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Dr. Shirley is a recognized expert in the field of adult stem cell research. Welcome, Dr. Shirley. Thank you. Well, Dr. Shirley, what do you have to say about what happened with President Bush and the scientific community? Well, I'm pleased that the president has taken this stance. How's that? I'm sure that it actually benefits the country in several ways. One of the early issues in the debate on whether embryonic stem cell research should be done was the question of whether or not embryos are living human beings. And one of the things that was going on at that time is that scientists and some physicians were confusing the issue in the following manner. They were saying that we scientists and physicians weren't sure, that we didn't know. And in fact, we do know. And we know that when the egg and the sperm fuse together, that is the beginning of a human life. And we understand that it's living because we understand as scientists what living means. Living means that we have an entity that has the ability to take up energy from the environment, transform it into the work of life, which is division. And the earliest zygote has that ability. And one of the questions I've, I pose to people who question whether uh, an embryo is human is, if it's not human, what else could it be? So they are human beings. And the challenge for America is how we're going to treat them. And one of the most important things in that decision, however it turns out, is that the public has good information about the research, what it is, about the embryos, what they are, and about what the research may or may not yield. And the president's veto provides time for that to happen. Because one of the big problems right now, I think, amongst many representatives and at least half of the American population is the belief that embryonic stem cells can lead to better therapies and the confusion on whether or not they're living human embryos or living human beings. So uh, the president's uh, veto is a, is a moral one, and it's also, I think, a practical one in terms of making sure the resources that we have available to try to improve therapies in this country are actually used in the best manner possible. But why do you think the prevalence of that public opinion about embryonic stem cell research is so marked? It's misinformation, and I think it's a real different quirky thing here. I'm trained as a cancer molecular biologist, and although I work on adult stem cells now, I grew up in my profession working in the area of cancer research. And the public is very, very used to scientists saying, we just made a new breakthrough. This research is going to lead to new cures. Cancer is a good example. And the public is willing to accept that sometimes when those promises are made, that things may not turn out the way we had hoped. That's not the situation with embryonic stem cell research. Because in the case of an example, such as the kinds of promises that have been made around cancer research, lives were not being destroyed for that research to take place. That's what's happening with embryonic stem cell research. And the other problem, which is very difficult to appreciate, is that this is not just research as usual. Embryonic stem cell research has been used to make some very specific promises that these cells can't 
really address. So the promise has been that these cells will be used to give us new treatments for these debilitating chronic illnesses like cancer, cognitive dysfunction diseases like Parkinson's, diabetes. And the problem is, is that it's not a matter of, well, the research might not get us there. These cells fundamentally cannot fill that role because they're embryonic and they're not adult, and adult cells are required to treat these problems in adult tissues. Now, Dr. Shirley, if sitting next to you was another recognized expert, but instead of being in the field of adult stem cell research, was in embryonic stem cell research, what would they say in defense of their position? Well, I think they would do the usual research speak. They would say, well, you know, we're, we think that because these cells have the ability to make lots of different types of tissues, we'll figure out some way to use that potential to make a new therapy. The public is used to hearing that. That's what they would say. But if you ask them, how is it that an embryonic stem cell could, in fact, work in an adult tissue, I don't think you'll get an answer to that question. And I think if you ask them, could an embryonic stem cell ever work like an adult stem cell in a mature tissue, the answer to that would have to be no. And I think what I've seen amongst colleagues of of this type is that this recognition creates quite a problem for them. And what we have heard, and a good example is this, is from the group here at the Harvard Stem Cell Institute in Boston. What we've heard is the absence of any more talking about mature therapies and more talking about We'll learn about these diseases by studying them in the embryonic stem cells. We'll learn more about how these diseases work. There'll be more discoveries made about how diabetes comes into development. And, you know, that is a real problem because the kinds of diseases that we're talking about are diseases which occur late in development and perhaps even only in mature tissues. At times when there are complex interactions between cells of mature type, which don't happen in very early embryos. And so if we allow scientists to take that justification for this research, we will soon be confronted with them saying, we need to develop these embryos further so we can get to a point where we can learn something about these diseases that we say this research is going to help. But what is the basis for their opinions? I'm not sure I understand the question. Well, they certainly feel strongly in their opinions that by pursuing embryonic stem cell research, it will give further answers and perhaps better answers for treatment of disease. I mean, is that valid? Is it accurate? I think it's valid if they are willing to address the fact that the cells can't work in mature tissues. It's interesting about this. When embryonic stem cell research became popular five years ago, NIH published a really excellent informative document on stem cell research in general, both embryonic and adult. Number one issue, embryonic stem cells in mature tissues form tumors. That's the cancer problem. So what the embryonic stem cell research community has said will solve that problem. What I'm saying is that when that problem is solved, the fundamental biology of these cells will prevent them from working in adult tissues. And so that issue has got to be addressed. And when many of the scientists who want to pursue this research are asked to address that issue, they won't discuss it. They talk about, well, we're going to learn something about the disease process, but these are diseases which are happening in adult tissues. And I'm not going to say that I know that they don't have some origin in a two-cell embryo. All I'm saying is is that it's unlikely that that research is going to shed light on problems that occur much later in life in terms of trying to come up with an effective treatment for them. You are a scientist. Are there any ramifications of holding your opinion in terms of your role in scientific research? Yeah, I'd say there are. And I won't even use my own experience as an example. What I have discovered 
at research meetings, for instance, is that there are a lot of scientists who share this view, and they are afraid to speak out because they are concerned about reprisals in the form of difficulty publishing papers, difficulty getting grants, difficulty getting promotions. And so I think that fear is very real in the stem cell community. Anytime anyone chooses to do public service and speak out against the sort of the standard line, there are risks that are involved in terms of what one can expect. You've experienced some of this personally, have you not? Well, I, I, I guess it's fair to say I have. Actually, you know, I'm actually sitting here in my office right now, and I'm going to be evicted from MIT uh, as of June 30th at 5 p.m. because of, number one, not having been tenured here, and in pursuing the negative tenure decision, I've encountered um, a lot of difficulty in obtaining a fair hearing at this institution. Now, if you ask me, is all of this due to your position on embryonic stem cell research? I would say no, it's not all due to that. Uh, There are some other factors that play a role here as well, including the fact that I'm African-American in this institution. But I can't exclude the possibility that a large part of what I'm experiencing is, in fact, because of the position that I've taken in my research here. And have your colleagues supported you? If if you were to ask me, what's the best indication that your position on embryonic stem cell research is playing a role? It would be that my colleagues do not discuss it with me. What do you mean by that, Dr. Sherman? Well, you know, you have colleagues, and you see each other from time to time. You talk about what's going on in your life, and you talk about what you're doing as uh, as professionals. And I don't think I can name a single faculty member who has ever discussed my position on embryonic stem cell research outside of the forums that I've spoken in with faculty from other departments here at MIT. But what do you plan to do as a scientist and a faculty member and a professor at the institution where you're at? Well, right now, I'm still, I would say the right word is hopeful, that this institution will, in fact, do the right thing. Just to give a little bit more specific information about this, basically, the institution had agreed at the very, this year, to have an external review of my complaints about the problems with my tenure case review. There was no deadline that was placed on that resolution process, and tenure was still a possibility in the process. Uh, The provost of the institution, in mid-March of this year, suddenly decided that too much time had been spent and imposed a deadline of June 30th. And since that time, I have been working with representatives here to try to avoid uh, my forced eviction from the university. But in fact, although I am still protesting this this plan, uh, the institution is moving ahead pretty speedily with uh, shutting down my, my laboratory, forcing the closure of my laboratory this weekend. Frankly, Dr. Shirley, listening to you, it's almost hard to believe someone of your stature, of the contributions you have made in the field, uh, is undergoing something like this. It it just doesn't make common horse sense. Yeah, it's a very surreal experience, to be honest, and I think that many here at MIT share that sentiment. But, you know, these institutions are controlled by a small group of people, and uh, the president and the provost here seem absolutely determined to uh, rid MIT of James Shirley. With due respect uh, uh, to you uh, in the academic and the research community, um, are you shooting yourself in the foot? No, I don't think so. Uh, I think in a situation like this, one has to ask, what's really the most uh, important thing? You know, obviously I have a research career, and uh, it's important to me, but the issue of fairness and the issue of fair treatment is more important. And so I don't think there's any way, as long as people are are informed and see that what happened here was an injustice, 
that's a success. It's an important success. And I think that more people have to do that. Uh, No one can do something about a problem if they don't know the problem exists. Well, I want to thank you, Dr. Shirley, very much for being so frank and so personal with the relationship between your field of adult stem cell research and what is actually going on with you in academia at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. We have been discussing stem cell research with Dr. James Shirley, who is Associate Professor of Biological Engineering at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology and a recognized expert in the field of adult stem cell research. I'm Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, and you have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.